0: Good morning. Welcome to our assembly to worship God, to remember Jesus Christ, and pay good attention to the Word of God. I'm going to start in Matthew. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. If you want a good comprehensive overview of what New Testament Christianity is about... This is an excellent place to start. The Sermon on the Mount, three chapters in Matthew, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Spoken by Jesus and recorded for the spiritual benefit of people then and people today and people who will come after us. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I'm going to ask us to listen to a part of this, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven." where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also the eye is the lamp of the body so if your eye is healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. A lot is written and said in the secular world today about vision. And that word has a variety of context. Corporations have a vision. They want people in the company who will share their vision. When someone can't seem to find their way in life, a counselor might talk to them and recommend they change Or adjust their vision. These ideas are very common in our society. I am not aware of what went wrong on the uh, slides here. So this is what I do when it doesn't work. (laughs) So when corporations talk about their vision And when counselors bring up to people that there is a vision they need to have to find their way out of their difficulty, that's all talking about how we look at things. Jesus, in this part of the Sermon on the Mount, is teaching us about how we view the world. Specifically, the material appeal of the world. He wants us to contrast what the world offers with what heaven offers. The world, you see, has its treasures. They don't last very long and they fail to give us life with God. You see how this begins? Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. If we look at the treasures of the earth with a covetous eye, with ambition, and with heart's desire to have those things we see, uh, then Jesus says that's not good vision. It is defective vision. Look at verse 23. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, this isn't limited to the physical eye directed to objects or people. He compares the function of the eye in relation to the body to one's vision or perspective of heart about life here on earth. It may occur to Bible readers several times in Scripture, physical vision illustrates what we need to know about spiritual life. So I'm going to say to us the Bible identifies spiritual eye disorders. Spiritual eye disorders. And I have found some of those and I want to share with you what the Bible says about spiritual eye disorders. This is about what we see with the heart, with the mind, what our perspective, our outlook is that relates to God. And these passages can really help us know where we stand with God, what perspectives need to be changed, perhaps obvious sin that needs to be given up. If you know You are living in sin, but you've never responded to the gospel. If you have fallen away from the Lord and you know that full open repentance is called for, this sermon will urge you to see with the eyes of your heart what your present need is and the corresponding response. So, i want to go back and read Matthew 6, 19 through 24. And we're talking here about what we see, what we understand, what we look at as relates to God. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great! Is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will de- be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So, in verse 22, there is the healthy eye in contrast to verse 23, the bad eye. Let's talk about that in the context of this passage in Matthew 6. Now remember, this teaching isn't limited to the physical eye. People who are blind need to hear this and apply this. This is about how we view, how we see the things around us in the material realm, the culture, the temptations here on earth about things and possessions. Often the Bible uses this kind of terminology and imagery. I'm going to give you a few examples. In Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of your heart. In Psalms 119 verse 19, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Michael read from Hebrews 12 earlier, we are to be looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Blind people are to be looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of their faith. See, that's the eyes of the heart. In each of these passages, it isn't physical vision, it's one's viewpoint. The eyes of the heart, your perspective, how you see yourself in relation to God. Now, here in Matthew 6, What brings illumination into my life is not the things of this world, but the treasures heaven offers in Christ. Let me say that again. What brings illumination into my life is not the things of this world, but the treasures heaven offers through Christ. The healthy eye in this passage is the viewpoint that is directed primarily to heaven. The spiritual blessings available in Christ. The bad eye in verse 23 describes what happens to us when we cannot get our eyes off of the things of this world. Materialism, riches is all we can see. That's the bad eye. In some of the older translations, there is the word mammon down at verse 24. If you have the King James, you'll see that you cannot serve God and mammon. Later translations change this from the common Aramaic word to our common English word. Wealth. Things. So Jesus says we cannot serve God and money or wealth. If we attempt such divided loyalty, well, that wrong perspective is the bad eye. Notice that. The passage begins with an emphasis on the greater riches, spiritual riches, what God offers in Christ that can take us to heaven. That spiritual wealth, that's what we need to have our eyes on. Not talking about these eyes, but these eyes. Materialism can consume us Never satisfy us and rule our lives with a heavy hand. What God offers is lost when we make this world our priority. And we can see nothing but this world. I need the healthy eye. You need the healthy eye that is focused on God and what His grace provides in Christ. One of the spiritual eye disorders identified in scriptures right here. Letting what this world offers dominate me, worry me, and rule me with such a heavy hand, what God offers is lost. In our Bible classes in Mark, we covered Mark chapter 10 a few weeks ago. And we came to this statement made by Jesus. It is easier... For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, here's another statement. <clears throat> you can't see it on the slide, can you? <clears throat> here's another statement of an eye disorder. We're still in Matthew. I want you to open to chapter 7, just across the page in many Bibles. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 7 Verses 1 through 5. We're looking for spiritual eye disorders. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see? I've had eye surgery several years ago. Some of you have had eye surgery far more drastic. Some of you may have eye surgery in your future. I want to ask you a question. What if the eye surgeon is blind? Even if your insurance provider offers full coverage and the doctor can get you in tomorrow, you're not doing that. Well, here in Matthew 7, there is another spiritual eye disorder. It could be called log in the eye. It's a log in your eye or a beam. And if you have this disorder, you think you can see all the sins of others clearly. And seeing those sins of others, you may offer your pronouncements on all those sinners who have all those sins that you can see. The problem is you can't see your own. You can't see your own. When you have conversations with people who have this disorder, they may be able to tell you all about the sins of others. They can name them one by one. They keep a very careful accounting of the sins of others. You know who did this? The Pharisees of Jesus' day had this disorder. They could spot sinners miles away. They had an eye for the sins of others. Perhaps ears and a nose, too. They could lecture and preach and spread the shocking news about sinners everywhere. But Jesus said this about them in Matthew twenty-three, nineteen: They are blind guides. They had this disorder. They had very clear vision into the hearts and lives of others. But they had obstructed vision into their own hearts and lives. Now, this passage doesn't say never help anybody with their sin. No, it doesn't say that. To the contrary, this passage says make certain you remove that log in your eye, then you can see clearly and you can help your brother get that speck out of his. We can be quick, we can be impatient with people and sometimes just given over to gossip Loving to avoid mercy in favor of scandal. We need a better eye. We need a better eye. An eye that looks to God and then first to ourselves. Third, I have another example of a spiritual eye disorder. In Second Peter... I'm going to open to chapter 1. If you're using your Bible as we go along with these passages, 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter has matured from his earlier self. He became a courageous and committed apostle of Christ, and now near the end of his earthly life, he wants his brothers and sisters in Christ to make every effort to nourish their souls by adding to their faith. I'm going to start at verse 3. <clears throat> his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, "...that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly supplied to you an entrance into the eternal kingdom... Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here is an old man writing the letter inspired by the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter. He's using his last energy of mind and spirit to remind God's people of their need to add to their faith. But what if they don't? Verse 9. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Nearsighted, that becomes blindness. (coughs) Fail to add these qualities to your faith. And you're inviting visual disaster. Meaning spiritual disaster. Disaster. So bad, you forget that you were cleansed from your former sins. Your own salvation you cannot see. Your focus is on something else. This is telling us, our initial faith, when we first obeyed the gospel, must be supplemented by additional effort to add these qualities to our faith. The old man, the apostle Peter says, make Every effort. Are you doing that? Are you making every effort to add these things to your faith? Don't quit. Keep adding to your faith so that you can finish strong. I have one more spiritual eye disorder. May I take you to Proverbs 4 25? One more spiritual. I disorder in Proverbs 4:25 Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you This is a healthy perspective but it implies the opposite The opposite would be a spiritual eye disorder. And that is the backward look. The backward look. Have you ever tried to walk backwards? How did that work? Christians are people who are living in the pathway forward. Paul wrote in Philippians 3, forgetting what lies behind. And reaching forward to what lies ahead. And then he said this, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The backward eye takes us back, not forward. Jesus said one time, based on an Old Testament episode, Remember Lot's wife who had to have just one more glance back at what she was leaving. If we carry the baggage of the past, if we get stuck in yesteryear, if we're always looking back to what has no value anymore, that's a spiritual eye disorder. You're looking backwards instead of forward. Peter said, remember the teachings of the Lord. Paul said, remember the Lord's death as we did a few moments ago. That's what we need to look back to. But that backward eye that is always looking to things that do not have value spiritually, backward looking in a detrimental way that loads us down with regret or keeping account of past offenses, well... Here is the turnaround. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. This eye exam has been brought to you by the Laurel Heights Church of Christ. And we did it without the visual. I don't know what the song leader is going to do, but he'll do something. Here's the final passage. Psalms 13, verse 3. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Perhaps you have. You served the Lord faithfully for a season And then you drifted away from him. You should come back in full repentance. And we would be pleased to assist you and pray for you. Please come while we stand.